Hello, and welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 17, 2019, we're continuing our series titled Walk This Way from 2 Timothy. Today's sermon, Follow Jesus, is going to be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. We hope you enjoy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Thank you so much for the family that you have given to us. Why is Dad giving that guy a blanket? Hold the door for Grandma Jay. Thank you. I got you. I got you. We thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you and to be disciples. I'm so sorry, baby girl. Let's try again, okay? Go ahead and ease it forward. It's okay. Let's go. Come on. I got you. Good job. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, verses 10 through 17. Um, By way of reminder, I want to kind of look back at last week, but then also look forward to where we're going next week because it shows you how kind of uniquely positioned our passage this morning is. Last week, we looked at 2 Timothy, sorry, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And it started with this in verse 1, said, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godly but denying its power. Now here's what's interesting. He says, in the last days, now I tend to think like way future, but when I read that big long list, even as fast as I possibly can, kind of sounds like right now, doesn't it? And I don't mean that in a sense of like, the last days are upon us, but, but I, I do mean it in a sense of like, this sounds like we're in the last days, does it not? Amen. And I don't know how much time is left, and this might sound silly, but I do know that today is one, close, one day closer to the end than yesterday was, and tomorrow will be one day closer to the end than today was. And if we live with that idea that we are in the last days, I think we truly see that we are, in fact, in the last days. That's where we were at last week, this recognition that we are in the last days. Next week, chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? Why would we do that? For the time is coming, that's a future thing, for the time is coming, When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, basically people who tell them what they want to hear. They'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, when I hear him talk about that, of people in the future no longer listening to sound teaching, but accumulating teachers who will just tell them what they want to hear, that kind of sounds like today too. 
So we look at the scriptures. Last week we realized, man, we, we're living in, in the last days. Maybe not the last day, but certainly in this thing he calls the last days. And the passage we're looking at next week, we're seeing again, man, again, we're living in the last days. Now, what we see today in chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, is this instruction from Paul to a younger believer named Timothy on how to follow Jesus when you're living in the last days. And for us, friends, I think we'll find that that is super practical for our life today. So let's read it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. It says this. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, My patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. God, though it's my voice that's been heard, we recognize this morning it's your word that's been spoken. And this morning, we come to your word because we trust it. God, we believe it has the authority for our life. God, we believe it's sufficient for what we need today. And God, we believe it's applicable and practical for our lives right now. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd open our eyes so we can see things maybe we've never seen before in this text and in our life. You'd open our hearts that we'd wanna know you and live the life that you've called us to live. God, though we're in the last days, you've showed us how to follow you. So this morning, would we follow Jesus even in a culture that opposes you? God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our church. Would everything we do and say in this place be done for your glory and your glory alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. So how do we follow Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus? Because that's what we see in chapter three, one through five, a world opposed to Jesus. And that's what we see in four, one through four is a world opposed to Jesus. How do we live in that world and follow Jesus when the world does not want us to? There's four different pieces of instruction that Paul gives to the younger brother, Timothy. The first one's this, we imitate the model. We imitate the model. Paul says this to the younger believer, Timothy. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching. My con-. He goes in this, this whole big list, that big long list I read from chapter three, verses one through five. Uh, it was 19 different vices. Now he lists nine virtues. These are the ways of the world. This is the way of the Lord. Okay, this is what the world is doing. You, however, have done this and should continue to do this. He says, you follow my teaching, my conduct. See, not just the things he taught, but also the way he acted. He talked the talk, he also walked the walk, and his walk matched his talk, so it made sense. His conduct validated the truth behind what he was teaching. You followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim at life, which was essentially to preach the gospel, my faith in Jesus and faith during tough times, my patience with the people around me, my love through my words and 
through my actions, my steadfastness, this type of stick to that Paul had in the face of persecution and trial. He said he's also followed his persecutions and sufferings which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. That's a very interesting persecution that happens. We, we tried covering in the first hour. It took too much time. You can watch that one if you want to. Um, write down in your notes, Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, because you're going to see this story unfold where Paul goes to three places. The first place he goes to, he goes to Antioch. He encounters persecution. So he leaves and goes to the next place. The next place he goes to is Iconium. He goes to Iconium and guess what happens? Persecution. So he leaves Iconium. He goes to Lystra and guess what happens? The people from the first two places follow him there, beat him up, leave him for dead to where they think he's dead. But he's not dead. He's only mostly dead. So what happens here is he comes back, haha, he comes back to life because he never died to begin with. And what does he do? See, what I would do is I would, I'd kind of hang my head and say, do you know what? I tried my best. And he leaves that place, goes to another city where he encounters persecution, and then he goes back to each one of those three places that he encountered persecution in before. And he says, Timothy's followed that model. He's followed him not just in the easy times, but he's followed him in the difficult times. He hasn't just followed him when, when life was easy and life was fun. He followed him even into persecution. And friends, that's what we need to do. How do we follow Jesus in a culture that opposes Jesus? We need to have models in our life that show us how we too are supposed to live. Amen. This is what Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. Paul said this, I urge you then, and this isn't just like, a, hey, you know, I would, I would kind of recommend that you do this. This is like urge. This is, you need, y'all need to be doing this, is what he's telling this church. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Um, maybe when you were a kid, it was, stop copying me, stop copying me. This is Paul saying, hey, copy me. Copy what I'm doing. Copy what I'm saying. The life you see me living, you too should believe living. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul makes this statement. He says, follow me as I follow who? Christ. Christ. So Paul's not saying it's not just necessarily about me. If you want to know where Jesus is, follow me because I'm going to find him. If you want to know how Jesus lives, follow me because I'm trying to live like Jesus. Amen. And here's what he says here. Be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy. See, if I wanted someone to copy me, I'd probably just send myself, Right? If, if I wanted someone to live the life I want them to live, I'd, I'd probably just go. But see, Paul has totally bought into this idea of multiplying himself and modeling. We call it discipleship. That instead of sending himself, who does he send? I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, to remind you of my ways in Christ. See, Paul says, I'm modeling Jesus. Timothy's modeling me. You model Timothy because Timothy's modeling Paul and Paul is modeling Christ. Amen. Paul's big on modeling. He's big on showing people how to live through our actions, not just through our instruction, but also through our illustration because when we instruct and we illustrate, we inspire. Let me say it again. When we instruct and we illustrate, we inspire. Yes. If you want to change people, if you want to impact people, you got to get close and you got to show them how to live this thing we call the Christian faith. And Paul was all about that. You want to live the life, you want to live the Christian life and follow Jesus in a world that opposes the gospel and opposes the person of Jesus, you better have some faithful friends around you. And that's what Paul says. Follow me, I will be your faithful friend. Secondly, how do we live in a life, how do we live this life and follow Jesus in a culture that opposes Jesus and opposes 
his message, the second thing we do, we accept the risk. We accept the risk. We see he already mentioned persecution and suffering, which Paul was very familiar with. He was also familiar with persecuting people, by the way, because before Paul was the persecuted, Paul was the persecutor. He was the one who was going around killing the Christians. Now he's the one going around trying to convert people to Christianity. He's very familiar with the risk involved in following Jesus. And in verse 12, he says this, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What does it mean to be godly? It means to be like God. In Ephesians chapter five, verse one, again, Paul says this, therefore, be imitators of God. Be like him. Be like him. Act like Jesus. Here's what he says to Timothy. All who desire to live a godly life, all who desire to act like Jesus will be persecuted. Why? Because if it's truly your heart's desire to live like God, you will live like God and therefore you will be persecuted. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, which we'll come back to that, by the way, because if the world loves you and accepts you just for who you are, there might be a problem. If you were of the world, the world would love you just as its own, but because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. How does this work? If I imitate Jesus and I live like Jesus, people won't like me. Why? Well, if the world and the culture doesn't like Jesus and I live a life that reminds them of Jesus, they also won't like me. It's just the reality of the situation. It's risky, but it's worth it. Elsewhere, Paul tells the church, he says, uh, I, am not ashamed, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of salvation for all who believe. The gospel is nothing to be ashamed of. So much so that he went across the world encountering all sorts of persecutions and sufferings and risks because he too believed that it was worth it. Let's talk about this word persecution because when I think persecution, I think really big, bad, nasty things. Okay, I think of um, like things that happened this last week in the mosques where people go in and just out of hatred and anger and violence commit insane acts of crime. Okay, that, that, that I think of like that persecution and I don't necessarily think of the type of persecution that we experience here at home. Now some of that stuff still happens here at home but sometimes it looks different but we should never forget how extreme it can be around the world. One source I read this week talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, specifically uh, in the Middle East and Asia, said this. It said that 250, this is every month. Every month, about 250 Christians are killed for their faith. 104 are abducted. 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed, or forced into marriage because of their faith in Jesus. 66 churches, this is both local and abroad, are attacked. 160 Christians are detained without trial and in prison. Now, some of these things make our news cycles. Most of them do not. But the reality of it is, is that persecution happens. Now, for me and you, maybe it looks a bit differently. 
Um, there's a couple in our church who years ago when they first started attending told me the story of um, they were working together for the same company and their boss told them unless they converted to Mormonism, they'd be fired. Good job, stable pay. Well, we could fake it. Wouldn't do it. So they lost their jobs. That's modern day persecution for their faith. A lot of our students, I talked to a, a young girl in high school after first service and, and they go through it all the time. Right now she has a specific boy in her class who just constantly antagonizes her because of her Christian faith. And do you know what she said? She said, it's fine, I'm not gonna back down. Man, Amen. right, right? Like it's happening, it, 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 it's going on in our world and maybe it looks, it looks different. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul says this about persecution. For the sake of Christ then, I'm content with whatever weaknesses I might face for him, whatever insults I might face, whatever hardships I might face, whatever beatings and mostly deads I might face, whatever calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He says, yeah, it's difficult, but it's worth it. It's all for the sake of Christ. I remember in high school, uh, I worked at PetSmart. I was a pet care specialist, so I was the one like slinging hamsters and turtles. Um, I actually ran into a kid last night who graduated high school recently, and I sold him a turtle when he was a young kid, and he still remembers that. So changing lives one turtle at a time. Um, That wasn't in my notes, by the way, so it's fine. Um, But I remember even working in this environment at PetSmart, I was the Christian kid. I was that, I had a kid come up to me once and he said, hey, you're, you're Christian, right? He's like, yeah. He said, no, I mean like, you're really Christian. He's <laughs> like, can you tone it down? Oh, whatever. Like, that's just who I am. That's fine. I was at the gym last week working out on a Wednesday um, and I changed out of my gym clothes back into my, my church clothes to come here for Wednesday night life groups. Um, and this girl says, where are you going? I said, I'm, I'm going back to the church. You're going to the church again? That's like all you ever do, isn't it? I was like, oh, I mean, kind of. I just love the church and I, Jesus loves the church and I love the church. And Amen. so you're like a, you're one of those like churchmen, aren't you? I was like, like, some people call it a pastor. You can call it a churchman if you want to. Like churchman Thomas, like it's fine. But maybe for you, it comes in like little, little insults like that or people trying to get under your skin or poke fun at you for your faith. Whatever it might be, just because it's not on the grand scale of things that we think when we pers- think persecution, it still happens. Okay, yes, and we, we've kind of got to wrestle with this because maybe you say, that has not been my experience. Well, that might be a problem. Okay, because he says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will. This isn't an if or a maybe, this is a will. If you live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. So if you look at your life and say, there's none, there's zero persecution. No one looks at me differently. No one treats me differently. There's nothing. You need to ask yourself, am I really desiring to live a godly life? Because if the culture and the world I live in is like this, and I'm living a life that's different, those two things will collide. And there will be consequences because of it. Maybe they'll be grand, maybe they'll be small. But we have to wrestle with that and ask ourselves the question, am I living a godly life? And does that show itself in the way other people treat me? And I don't mean be a jerk. Okay, if your life is hard because you're a jerk, that's your fault. Okay, don't be another mean Christian. We don't need any more mean Christians. We need Christians who love God and love people and want to see people's lives change for the gospel. That's what we need. Be like that. If you be like that, you will see there's consequences, positive and negative. 
for that. How else do we follow Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus? Verse three, we keep the faith. We keep the faith. I had to get a drink first and then I'll keep going. (laughs) We keep the faith. Verse 14 says this, but as for you, verse 13 said this, by the way, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So he says, there's evil people in this world that you can see as evil. There's imposters, people who play like they're Christians and play like they know God, but really they don't. They're harder to recognize. They're very sneaky. They'll go on from bad to worse. He says, you, however, you go on from good to better. You grow in your faith. Other people will reveal themselves and go from bad to worse in the way they live their life. But you, Christian, move from good to better. Be sanctified. Grow into the mature Christian that God wants you to be. And in and, and what? Continue in what? He says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. What, is, what it is that he's learned? He's talking about the gospel. Continue in the gospel. Continue in knowing Jesus. Continue in living the life that looks like a person who knows Jesus. Continue living the life of the person who tries his best to line their life up with the way that God says we should according to his scriptures. Continue in that. And I love what he says next. He says, continue in what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. See, we're going back to the models. Why are the models so important? Because the models inspire us to something better. Okay, when, when we're experiencing that difficulty in life and we're like, I'm just not sure if I can do this anymore. You look back to the people who've gone before you who've had the same problems, who've, saved the, who's faced the same issues and remember, man, if they did it, I can do it. Yes. If they live the Christian life in this world, I can live the Christian life in this world. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, um, talking about something similar, says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, write down in your notes Hebrews chapter 11 because that's what the author is referring to here. This great cloud of witnesses, these people with amazing faith who live the life that God called them to live in the face of difficulty and persecution. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to who? Looking to Jesus. It's the same two things that Paul says here in 2 Timothy. Remember your cloud, okay? We have this grand cloud that exists in the Old Testament of New Testament that we all have in common. And then you also have this personal cloud in your life. These people who have influenced you, these people who had bold faith and showed you how to live the Christian life, not just taught you how to live the Christian life. They instructed you, they illustrated how to do it and inspired you so that you too wanted to go out and live the Christian life. We remember them. We remember the things that we were taught as children or the things we were taught as an adult. And when the going gets tough and our world opposes the gospel and opposes our Jesus, we remember it's worth it and there's people who have gone before me who are counting on me to keep this thing going. We remember the cloud of witnesses in the scriptures and you remember the cloud of witnesses in your life. Verse 15, he says this, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love this, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. How many of you grew up like in a Christian home or going to church? How many of you would say um, a lot of the things from my childhood were foundational and I still remember them? 
right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All little songs, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells all of these things. Right? We, they're foundational. They were incredibly important to us. And here he says, don't forget those things. Man, remember how, how as a kid you knew the sacred writings. Remember what your parents taught you. And as a parent, the way I read this, it automatically, I default to the parent side of things where I start thinking, man, I so desperately want to make sure I'm laying the right foundation my kids need. You know what I mean? I want to make sure that when my kids grow up, they can look back and say, do you know what? The world sucks. And there's all sorts of garbage out there, but I will never forget what my dad taught me. The world can say this, man, my dad said this and that was rooted in scripture. And if the world says the Bible's wrong, the world's wrong because the Bible says so. That's what I want. Yes. Come on. Amen. I want to love Jesus. I want to teach my kids to leave, leave, love Jesus so that when there's those moments, you're familiar with the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. Yeah. I was with a friend last night, went to the same Christian school I did for nearly just as long, walked away from Jesus for six years. And when he had tried everything else in the world, the drugs, the sex, the alcohol, the fame, the fortune, the whatever, there was nothing left. Guess what he remembered? Jesus, the things he learned as a kid. And he came back to Jesus. Parents, your role is vital. It is so, so important. Make sure you are laying the best foundation you can. And you know what? If you didn't do a good job up until now, there's still time. You can change. You can do this so that someday your kids can look back to the things you taught them. And when going gets tough, they can remember what they learned and from whom they've learned it so they too can keep the faith. How else do we follow Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus? The fourth and final thing he gives us, we obey the scriptures. We obey the scriptures. Verse 16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It means it's beneficial. It's good for you. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. Let's walk through this real quick. All scripture is breathed out by God. Remember the Garden of Eden? Right, God, God makes Adam, fashions him out of some dirt and stuff, and then what does he do to, to put life into him? <sighs> breathes life into him. Amen. And the same way that God breathed life into Adam, when we study the words that God breathed here, he breathes his life into us. Or you could think about it like this. When you talk, you're constantly breathing as you talk, right? Everyone turn to the person next to you and just say, Hello. Did you feel the breath escaping your lungs, how it was breathed out? Now, now turn to them again and don't let any air come out of your lungs at all. Go. He down here was like, hello. <laughs> right? No, it's God breathed. As, as, you, as you speak, you breathe. You could say the word of God is God spoken. This is him. This is what he has told us. It's what we need to listen to. It's breathed out by God and profitable, good for us. For four things, he says, for teaching, just understanding life and how we're meant to live. For reproof, that means when someone does something wrong, whether it's someone else or you, the Bible actually tells you it's wrong. Reproving, of showing what's wrong. For correction, for taking away the bad behavior and replacing it, correcting it 
with something good and for training in righteousness, just like you train for a race or train for something, train for a position, train for a job, this ongoing training, he says, training in righteousness for us to become the people that God wants us to be. The word is sufficient for that. Everything we need is right here in what he says. Remember what you learned. Know Jesus. Don't forget your models. Their instruction, their illustration, so you can be inspired to be the person you want to be and don't forget the word. Amen. In a world that's hostile to Jesus, I don't know about you, uh, people don't think the gospel is sexy, they don't think Christianity is cool, um, frankly don't care. I don't care, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be approved to the world, I don't want to be famous in the world. I want to be who God wants me to be. In a world that opposes Jesus, in a world that opposes the message of Jesus, in a world that doesn't want me to follow Jesus, I will follow Jesus. Do you want to do that? All right, now you say, I will follow Jesus, and I'll clap for you. We'll reciprocate if we want to do it that way. Not quite as loud, but that's good. How do we do that? He's just given us four things. How do we follow Jesus in a world that doesn't want to and doesn't want us to? First, we imitate our models. It's this thing we call discipleship. If you're not plugged into discipleship, man, you need to get plugged in to discipleship. Whether that's here at Highlands or not at Highlands, whatever. Jesus says, be a disciple and make a disciple. Go make disciples of all nations. That We're supposed to be one of those. What does discipleship do? In discipleship, we have um, instruction. And in discipleship, we also have illustration. And what happens when we have instruction and illustration? Um, We have inspiration because now I want to go do the things I've been taught and shown how to do. We need that in our world if we're going to continue following Jesus in a culture that doesn't want us to. If you want to get plugged in for discipleship here at Highlands, um, the way we do that, highlandschurch.org slash discipleship, we want to get you plugged in so you can follow Jesus the way God wants you to follow Jesus. The second thing, how do we follow Jesus in a world, in a culture that opposes Jesus? We accept the risk. It just is the way that it is. All who desire to follow Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Whether it's severe or whether it's not is irrelevant. If you follow Jesus, you will face persecution. And friends, it won't be fun, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Third, how do we follow Jesus in a world that opposes Jesus? We keep the faith. Um, Let me speak to some parents real quick. Parents, again, lay the foundation. Do the work. Be diligent. Um, Maybe you're experiencing a season right now where you worked so hard to lay the foundation. You did the right things. You said the right things. You prayed. You did devotions. You you did the best that you could. You were involved in church. And for whatever reason, your child has chosen to go and do the prodigal thing where it seems like they've walked away from it and you're left sitting wondering, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Something else I could have done or something else I should have done. Um, Let me encourage you. Be like that father in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal father who just waited for their child to return and when they returned, loved them and embraced them and kissed them. Tell them you love them because if you laid that foundation, chances are your child will come back to the foundation that you've laid. Be encouraged. The story is not over yet. 
Keep the faith and teach the faith. And then fourthly and finally, in a world that opposes Jesus, how do we follow Jesus? We obey the scriptures. We don't just hear them. We don't just listen to them. We hear them and we do them. And in doing so, we find ourselves living a blessed life by Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in our life. God, thanks for being with us through thick and thin. God, we know we never experience an up or a down in our life without you right there with us side by side. God, for those this morning who may be facing, uh, even in this room, maybe a bit more uh, persecution than the rest of us, God, I ask that you'd comfort them, that you'd bring them um, just some brothers and sisters in Christ who love you, who will refresh them and care for them and pray with them, cry with them, mourn with them, do whatever they need to do to get them through the difficult situation they're facing. God, for those of us um, who are maybe on the fence of doing the discipleship thing, God, I ask that you'd push us off that fence lovingly, but still you'd push us off. That you'd help us find a model who can instruct us, who can illustrate what the life looks like to us so we can be inspired to live the Christian life. And God, when our culture tells us the Bible's wrong, would we use the Bible to show that it's the culture that's wrong? It's not you. God, and help us do that with love, with grace, with humility, with gentleness, and with respect. God, in a world that opposes you, in a world that opposes your message, help us follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you real quick to a class we're doing for HBI. It was supposed to do this earlier, I forgot. Um, if you're wondering where this book came from, this book called The Bible came from, and I've asked the question, how did we get this thing? We're doing a class on that. Um, April 7th, April 14th, 9 a.m. over in the high school room. Um, if you're wondering where this thing came from, make sure you're there those two Sundays, 9 o'clock. April 7th, April 14th. Highlands Church, in a world that opposes our Jesus. Let us pursue him all the more and proclaim his glory. Get out there, follow Jesus, and love each other.